This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Boker Tov, a very good morning to you. Shavua Tov, how are you? Boker Tov, Shavua Tov. Um, yes, a weekend is a long time uh, in a war situation and um, so many things have happened um, since we last spoke on Thursday morning. Just to remind listeners, we were in the middle of our conversation on Thursday morning when you um, said there was a terror attack mm, taking mm. place in Jerusalem almost at that moment. We were just receiving reports of the terror attack in Jerusalem. And also, we were still in a true situation with regard mm. to... Which was uh, bizarre, the current you know, that, uh, that this was a truce. Hamas quite comfortable with taking responsibility for a terror attack. Um, so, so many things have happened. First of all, what I'd like to say, just uh, to extend what you were saying um, just before we came on air, Howard, is that um, there were some amazing pictures showing a Hanukkah being put up in Gaza on a hillside, on a hilltop, um, so that um, the soldiers who are in Gaza will be able to appreciate the lights of Hanukkah while they are there. And um, because, of course, later this week, we begin the process of lighting uh, light for the eight days of Hanukkah to celebrate that miracle. And um, there will be a Hanukkah in Gaza this year. So um, I think that's an amazing uh, thing. And of course, one of the other things that um, I've noticed um, over the weekend is that when we usually get our list of Shabbat times, what time Shabbat begins in various parts of Israel, now Gaza City is one of the entries on the list of when Shabbat begins amazing. and ends to make sure that people who are there over Shabbat also know um, when Shabbat begins and ends. So this is a kind of a new reality that we find ourselves in over the last few months. Um, but yes, um, the uh, events over the weekend and the truce were certainly um, eventful. And as you rightly point out, um, there was a lot of anger on Thursday when mm -hmm. not one but two terror attacks were carried out um, during the course of the down Thursday both of which were acknowledged by Hamas, even though we were in a true situation with regard to the war in Gaza. And interestingly, not only was there a truce in Gaza, but indeed Hezbollah on the northern border were also observing something of a truce. And even the Houthis from Yemen weren't firing missiles and weren't attacking um, American targets in Iraq, um, all surrounding the seven days of truce that we um, with, that we had between ourselves and, and and Hamas, which had been negotiated by the good officers of Qatar and of Egypt and the United States, they were all involved in, in negotiating the truce. 
Um, but of course, when the uh, terror attacks took place on Thursday, I think the writing by that stage was already on the mm, wall mm. that this truce was clearly coming to an end. And certainly a lot of Israelis were angered by the fact that Hamas would have the audacity to carry out an attack at the outskirts on the, on, at the entrance of Jerusalem while ostensibly, ostensibly observing a truce in Gaza, because that's not okay. I mean, the truce in Gaza extends beyond the borders of Gaza and an attack uh, in Jerusalem um, doesn't mean truce for us, at least. That's, that's all part of the same constellation. In that attack, um, as I'm sure you already know, unfortunately, four people have died, including one heroic teacher of a girls' school who was standing at that bus stop at the entrance to Jerusalem, where so many people are always standing, waiting for buses to Tel Aviv, um, and in fact was once upon a time also a very, very popular hitchhiking spot. These days, hitchhiking is less of a thing than it used mm, to be, mm. but it, it's always been a very, very bu busy bus stop, and that's exactly where the terror attack took place, undoubtedly carried out by Hamas terrorists, um, and that um, pregnant teacher of the girls' school in a split second cleared the girls who were with her from the school to clear them to safety. And she, unfortunately, in the process, took the brunt of the attack and ultimately died with her unborn child, mm. a hero, a, mm. a real mm. hero in that particular story. Um, there is, unfortunately, also a slightly a more negative side to that terror attack because the person, the Israeli who actually killed the terrorist, was ultimately the victim of friendly fire from somebody else who also started to fire towards the scene of the attack. And it seems as if that person, that good Samaritan who killed the terrorist, um, took bullets from friendly fire and he ultimately succumbed to his wounds later in the day on Thursday, bringing a total number of victims of that attack to four um, and a very, very tragic incident indeed. But of course, as I said, the writing was on the wall. And by the time we woke up at seven o'clock on Friday morning, the wall with Hamas was very much back on. And the attacks began already from Gaza during the early hours of Friday morning. The truce day that had been negotiated for Thursday actually expired at 7 a.m. on Friday morning. And there had been the exchange of hostages during the day on Thursday to at least fulfill some of the terms mm, that had been mm. negotiated on the day-by-day -day truce. Um, but before even the end of that day on, at 7 a.m. on Friday morning, Hamas was firing. It was interesting that the IDF held back and didn't retaliate and didn't restart their war effort until the 7 a.m. Um, time had expired to ensure that they were at least fully compliant with that particular day, that particular day's truce agreement. Having said that, the unraveling of the truce was already on the, was already becoming evident a day before because um, what Hamas started to do was to fiddle around the edges with the number of hostages who were being released. And so whereas 12 hostages were due to have been released on Thursday, we then, we, we saw two releases. We saw Two, is, two Russian citizens, and that's how they were labeled as Russian citizens, being released, first of all, as a gesture to President Putin. It so happened that those Russian citizens also happened to be Israeli citizens, but they were formally not included as part of the truce agreement where we would exchange prisoners 
four hostages being released. So the two Russians were released, and then eight Israelis were finally released very, very late on Thursday evening, which brought the number to 10. So how do we get to 12? Well, Hamas said yesterday, yesterday, Wednesday, we released two Russian citizens as a gesture to President Putin. We're counting them in the 12 mm. today. So actually, you received eight Israelis, two Russians yesterday, two Russians today, 12. That's our side of the deal. And so it became clear that there was going to be a lot of shenanigans around the agreement of how many people were to be released. And then we understand that the negotiations for the release of the next round of hostages also started to hit a snag because Hamas then said, oh, well, we're now going to begin to release men, elderly men and men. And Israel said, hang on a second, you are still holding 17 women and children and we're not going to accept receiving the men until all the women and children are returned home, including Shiri Bibas and her two children, Ariel and Kfir, two babies. And we want all the women and children to come home. There is still no formal identification or acceptance that Shiri, Kfir and Ariel have been killed as Hamas have said they have been. We don't have any evidence of that. So as far as Israel is concerned, they are still there and we still want them to be released. And that's when all the, um, the negotiations began to unravel that until those 17 women and children are all home or we have some sort of an evidence that they are not coming home for one reason or another, there is no further discussion. So unfortunately, we still have more than 130 hostages stuck in Gaza, even though more than 100 were released during that period of the truce, including about 20 foreign nationals. Thai nationals and others. So approximately 80 Israelis were released during the part of that. And I can't begin to tell you how important those releases were. Some of those people really needed urgent medical attention. Many of them were psychologically damaged. The story of young Emily Hand, nine years old, is just one huge tragic story. And there's already a TV show that's been produced which interviews mm. her and members of her family, her father and her sisters, about the impact of her time in captivity. Let's not forget that as a nine-year-old, she thought she had been in captivity for a year when she came home. That was how the time went for her while she was in Gaza. And I, I couldn't bring myself to watch that TV show uh, and see what her family had to say because it's still too Yeah, too I, couldn't, I, too, I couldn't either. I was thinking that as you were saying it, I was thinking, I don't think I could watch this. It's too emotional for me, but I did see an advert for the show. And at the end of the clip, her father says in English, because of course he's an Irish national and an English speaker, and her father says when he's asked, What's next for you? Um, his answer is, I will be healing my broken Emily. That was his answer. Um, and it's such a tragic reality mm. of mm. the um, hostages have come home. One other thing that I'd just like to mention about the hostages is that um, you may recall in the period, which seems so long ago before the war, during the judicial reform protests, that there was the weekly protest meeting which took place every Saturday night, every Monday Shabbat in Rukhob Kaplan in Tel Aviv. That has now been replaced by a weekly Saturday evening protest at the um, complex around the Tel Aviv Museum, which is just off Sterot Rothschild across the road from military headquarters. Thousands and tens of thousands of people turn up every Saturday evening to the hostage square 
as it's now been renamed, mm -hmm. which is filled with pictures of all the hostages and a table that's been laid for each of them who are hostages in Gaza. And Saturday night was no exception, with tens of thousands of people turning up to the event, including some of the released hostages who are now able to attend the event that was being held for their release and of course for the release of the remaining hostages. So um, a lot of activity been going on over the weekend. What is the, the current situation in terms of Gaza itself? Uh, in terms of the pushing towards the south of Gaza, because we've had a lot of rockets over the weekend, does that imply that we uh, that, that that there's a lot of work to to still be done in the region? Undoubtedly, a lot of work to be done. I think that the way that the idea for pushing is um, in a kind of a three-way attack. Attack number one is clearly against rocket launching capabilities, and we've still got a long way to go. Just just to give. Uh, listeners an idea of the enormity of the task facing the IDF, more than 800, more than 800 tunnel entrances have been discovered in Gaza to date, of which the IDF is saying 500 were already destroyed, which means 300 which have already been discovered need to be destroyed, and who knows how many more there are to be discovered. So, so the, these tunnel shafts are absolutely everywhere, in every building, in every school, in every hospital, outdoors, indoors. There's a massive amount of work to be done to take care of the Gaza Metro, which is what the tunnels underneath Gaza are um, commonly called, the Gaza Metro, and of course all of the um, sh shafts into the tunnels and the rocket launching capability. Thing number two is um, to go after Hamas terrorists and operatives themselves. And there's been quite a lot of success in eliminating the top brass of Hamas leadership. But there's a lot of work still to be done. And yesterday we had another message about a very, very senior leader of Hamas having been taken out. This is a combination of intelligence and IDF activity on the ground uh, in order to eliminate the top brass. And I think that the third track is about using the civilians to put pressure on Hamas because what's become clear over the last day or two or three as um, the IDF have focused a lot of their activity um, in Khan Yunus now, which is new, the new focus of the IDF's um, activity, a lot of Air Force um, uh, explosions um, being generated within the area of Khan Yunus and a lot of, and of course, leaflets telling people from Khan Yunus to move away from that area. Let's not forget that a lot of the people who've already migrated from the north of the Gaza Strip found themselves in Khan Yunus. Now they're needing to get up again and move somewhere else. And there's a lot of pressure on the Gazan civilians to keep safe, the idea for trying to keep them safe, but not necessarily trying to protect them against the hardships of having to move around mm. and being refugees. And this is generating a lot of pressure on the Hamas leadership. And it's been interesting to see that on social media, a lot of the Gazans are now saying, just give them their prisoners back and let them leave us alone. That's the new kind of attitude that's coming out. Let them take uh, Yikia Sinwar and kill him and just leave us alone. This is a new kind of a, a 
support process that's coming out of the civilian population from Gaza, which is undoubtedly creating a pressure point on the Gaza leadership. And I think that Israel and IDF understand this. And to the extent that there might be a hardship on their civilians, and of course, we don't wish any hardship on their civilians, but that is an interesting lever mm. and a pressure mm. point which may well take this war to another level, potentially allow more of our hostages to be released, which for us is a higher, high priority. And then, of course, um, allow us to go after the Hamas leadership and, of course, to dismantle the rocket, cap uh, the rocket launching capabilities and the terror tunnels that exist in Gaza. Yeah, and I see that Israel has reiterated again that nobody from no leadership in Hamas is safe anywhere. Uh, just making sure that they fully understand that. Anthony Rach, that is where we leave it. Thank you. As always, it has just gone 8 o'clock. I'm Howard Feldman. That was Anthony Rach with the Israel Report. You can catch Anthony tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Thank you.